Simmerdown Sports Talk is back. We got a great show. We're going to talk some late night college football. Late night right college here. football. <laughs> First time doing this. I'm liking the vibe right now. We just need some smooth jazz in the background or something like that. Oh, you know? that would make this episode so much better. <laughs> you got to find the intro with smooth jazz. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I bet the audience probably wants smooth jazz so bad right now. You know, like oh. the NPR voice that's very, very rapsy, the late at night NPR <laughs> voice. Sounding you to sleep. Here we do it. Uh, that'd be the perfect way to cap off today. I mean, such an interesting Saturday. My favorite part was listening to the Fox College Football Studio crew just make con- <laughs> <laughs> make constant Urban Meyer to Texas jokes. Hey, why they gotta do? Why they gotta do Urban like that, man? He he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> he had no idea what to say to any of these, and he was keeping track against Rob Stone. He's like, "All right, Rob, I owe you three now. I'm coming for you." <laughs> and he's like, like like it's it's just the worst kept secret right now is urban to texas and because they have everything he wants so it it feels like a matter of time because they're gonna make him a godfather offer yeah they're gonna give urban meyer i don't even know an endless amount of money i mean a mansion full of them or three mansions full of money i don't know (laughs) they're gonna do anything to get that guy to go there he he's gonna be the highest paid coach. I, I you gotta think by the time he takes that job, he's it's gonna be the biggest contract offer. <laughs> Unless Michigan re-extends Harbaugh. <laughs> oh my god! Watch watch, watch them top the offer. <laughs> they seriously win. Yeah, that that's that was a an interesting tidbit of news today. Jim Harbaugh potentially staying at Michigan. Rob Parker, FS1 reported. He said his sources are saying right now it looks like Jim Harbaugh is going to be coming back, um, but it's it's not certain yet. So that's just how that's just the temperature in the room right now. And I don't know what Michigan fans really what's would be saying about that right now. <laughs> oh. I mean, there's also the the bad rumors going around about Joe Mick uh, Mixon uh, basically saying on the sideline that he's going to transfer and he's going to you know. Whoop uh, Michigan's ass next year. <laughs> oh yeah, Joe kind of all falling down there. <laughs> Joe Milton, he has so much talent. It's just he's just not in a good place. And I feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks that just make a bad. They they don't choose the right school. And maybe Joe Milton was one of those. I think it's an attitude problem as well. It seems like that he didn't have the right attitude about getting benched. Um, and it can be tough, you know, especially when you have a. A first game like he did where, you know, everyone thought Michigan was going to be the national champions. But, um, hey, I mean, I think with that being said, you know, Michigan doesn't really matter anymore for them this season. They're toast. They'll probably just end up forfeiting against Ohio State, which would just be the, you know, perfect cherry (laughs) on top of this uh, wonderful season that they've been having. Hey, if you can't beat them, how about you cancel the opportunity? Might as well cancel the opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> That's some Belichick I just level moves. Well, I don't know if Bel- Belichick would play, though. You know? It's a Belichick IQ level, but 
that's yeah that's probably, i guess that's not something he would actually do i mean still i i i just think that'd be really funny um <laughs> but but yeah that being said if if harbaugh comes back i gotta say michigan's making a strong play here for clown of the year i don't look away i mean look away <laughs> oh my goodness i can't even that's that's enough michigan football. michigan is I, steamrolling towards it <laughs> Other other highlight for today: Texas dropping sixty nine on K State. Nice, nice. Love to Texas. see that. Sam, does Sam that mean Alligator. does that mean they're just going <laughs> to jump up like five spots in the rankings now because they beat Kansas State by you know sixty nine points or they scored sixty nine points? You think the committee is going to really like it? I mean, you know they're going to do that with Oklahoma State after losing the TCU. By the way, what did we? What were we thinking with Oklahoma State? I really thought there was a lot of talent there. I don't know. Like, I just – I think that there, there was a lot of preseason hype around Spencer Sanders, and then he, he kind of, like – he started out with the injury, and that just kind of set the tone Chuba, for the season. Chuba Hubbard regressed immensely. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard has not been the Heisman candidate we thought he was going to be. Tylen Wallace has been the only guy that was really – that's really been consistent this season. Yeah. And, like, played to the level he's capable of. Everybody else, not so much. So, yeah, Oklahoma State. That that was that's a big disappointment of twenty twenty right there, you know. But um, yeah, obviously the big game today, BYU Coastal Carolina, and Sheesh. it's my comments. <laughs> my comments last episode have not aged well because we were talking about the playoff discussion, and I <laughs> Finn brings up Coastal Carolina. And Marshall and I said we don't even have room for Coastal Carolina, so don't even bring them up. <laughs> and better, sure enough, you better you be, uh, you should have simmered down for that one. To be honest, I have to apologize to Coastal Carolina fans. Uh, you did not deserve that. You, you deserve better. And you, know you also I'm deserve probably... a better barber because those mullets are awful. The mullets are something else. Yeah, Mormons versus mullets. That was the headline coming in today, and Coastal Carolina got the job done. Um, BYU, anytime, any place. Well, guess what? <laughs> Coastal Carolina had other not, plans. Not in uh, Coastal Carolina, that's for sure. Not on the teal turf. <laughs> the teal so, turf, yeah. I'll say that much right now. That so, was so weird watching a game on the teal teal turf. Also, the fact that it was on ESP, ESPNU was so annoying. And then also the game itself was just so weird. It's You, just, you were going to assume that it was going to be a high-scoring affair, but, I mean – Round of applause to the uh, Coastal Carolina defense. They played solid. They were a hard-nosed defense today. Um, they really got under BYU's skin. I mean, there was a brawl at halftime almost. Well, more of a confrontation. Um, but just a lot of trash talk all game. I mean, Zach Wilson had that huge leap and then, you know, like, got in the face of a Coastal Carolina player who, you know, kind of pushed him after. And it was a pretty intense game. But, yeah, I, ju- I just thought that, BYU wouldn't have gone so stone cold in the second half. I mean, they only scored three points in the second half. Yeah, so. that, that's not, that's not going to get it done. And, no. Uh, it seemed like it was kind of a bad gig for BYU because you had limited time to prepare. And I don't know how, how, like, back in the, how far back they were really planning on playing Coastal Carolina. And maybe they were preparing for a whole week against them. But – Maybe they weren't. Maybe they didn't really know what was going to happen. They probably thought there wasn't going to be a game happening. And then Coastal Carolina is like, hey, no, 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 we're, we're willing to play. And then it becomes the plans get finalized Thursday. 
And then apparently Coastal Carolina had two days of prep, which is even more crazy. I don't know how true that is, but still, you know, short prep. Um, and Coastal Carolina went out there, got the job done. BYU, meanwhile, like they scheduled this game. They think that they're going to win this game, take care of business. And instead, they weren't really battle tested all season and it coming into this game. And then Coastal Carolina gave them a huge wake up call. And, you know, like I think if, but if BYU potentially had a closer game earlier in the season where, you know, you, they kind of made a mini comeback or something similar like that, then maybe they would have been better prepared for this game. But, um, and, you know, they, they had to go on the road too. They had to go all the way to Coastal Carolina, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, but props, props to Coastal. They got the job done, and um, they're going to try to get some respect on their name now. Who knows what the committee's going to do. Um, it's probably not really how it did do them any favors because they weren't they weren't looking at BYU as a legit team and they proved us wrong. So I think it, in many ways it kind of guarantees Cincinnati's going to be the the non power five team to get in if you know it ends up being in that situation. But I mean I think you got to put respect on Coastal Carolina and at least rank them in the top ten. I mean at least they should be number 10 in the country. You can't tell me a two-loss team is better than this team. I mean, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They've played unbelievable football. Do you, do you think, like, Coastal Carolina is just going to ride this momentum even more and try to, like, all right, we want Bama or, some, or something? Who knows? Know? I mean, like, I, maybe if someone needed an extra game, they'd be willing to play them. I mean, I'm assuming that they would, you know, do anything they could to get into the playoffs. But it's so difficult, right? Because even a you know one lost Texas A and M team, you're saying to yourself, okay, that team's probably better than Coastal Carolina. But you know, if we're thinking as highly as we did a you know a BYU a week ago, you know, we were either playing wrong or this is just a, a better team than everyone thought they were. So I think it's hard to tell. I mean, I think it's also impressive their quarterbacks are freshmen. So this team, I think, is relatively young too, which is interesting. If that's really the true case, and let's say they have a lot of guys come back next year, which is possible because you can have the one-year comeback uh, rule now that the NCAA implemented that for this year, yeah. what's well, not to say they'll go undefeated again? Uh, well, that's an interesting point because Jamie Caldwell, he's 43 years old, head coach of Coastal Carolina. Name to watch yeah. out for in the future. He, um, yeah, he's going to be getting some looks. I mean, maybe you know he, he just makes Coastal – um, you know, with all the buzz going through that program right now, maybe he gets a, a nice offer and he's already on the move somewhere else. I thought he was going to go to South Carolina, but then they just announced like a couple hours ago. Shane Beamer. That, um, yeah, Shane Beamer, um, son of the Hall of Famer. And South Carolina is just like, I, everybody's making this out to be like a super coveted job. Hugh Freeze was, this was supposed to be Hugh Freeze just to lose, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but that was just what everybody was saying. And um, instead they went out and hired an assistant. So I don't really know what that means for South Carolina going forward. Um, just kind of an interesting, interesting hire like this early in the process too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's sending a statement that, you know, they want to, Moved to a coach that's, you know, had experience at a top program at Oklahoma, you know, had experience at a program that's, you know, done well with quarterbacks. And, you know, I think with, with South Carolina's guys, you know, they do have a decent defense and they've always been known to have, you know, a decent defense and a decent running game. But maybe they're trying to change things there. Maybe they're trying to, you know, create a more exciting offense. But 
I don't know if it's necessarily going to be enough to compete, you know, just yet or even in the near future. But yeah. I mean, we're not going to see the, yeah, the real effect of this to like, yeah, three, four years, whatever. Um, but that would have been like the storybook <laughs> ending for Jamie Caldwell, you know, stay in state, you take over for Cock Nation <laughs> and, you know, you try to Jesus. run right the wave. <laughs> um, you know, I had to say that. Yeah, of course right. you did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there was some other good games on two today. Well, Notre Dame destroyed Syracuse, uh, which was kind of expected. But there were still some weird moments in that game. I mean, it was it was close in the beginning of the first half. I mean, the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, and then Notre Dame started blowing them out. But yeah, yeah, Notre Dame taking care of business. Ohio State seems appears to be a lock for the playoff now. They have some playoff security after the Big Ten decided to lower the number of games played requirement to play in the Big Ten Championship. So Ohio State, they're going to be playing the Big Ten Championship, and they're going to be playing, um, who is it, Indiana? Northwestern. They're going to be playing Northwestern, that's for sure. I mean, they've, they've beaten everybody pretty handedly that – you know, they've played in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten's especially weak this year. So that's my only concern. But hey, I mean, they're still undefeated. You know, they'll pro- I think they'll take care of business easily against Northwestern. So yeah, they probably lock themselves in the playoffs. So at least now we know that that's a locked spot if they go undefeated. Now, that being said, there was definitely some things today that were a little bit alarming if, you, if you're an Ohio State fan with Justin Fields in particular. I mean, Jake and I uh, were talking about it before the pod. Uh, the one throw he had in the fourth quarter where he had Julian Fleming's wide open underneath, you know, he just routinely missed it and then threw it out of bounds. So I think, again, that's going to be Ohio State's kryptonite a little bit is the comfortability of Justin Fields in the pocket, his ability to get the ball out a little bit faster, also the ability to, for him to get his line back. Because did you see the center today? Literally almost every snap was a missed snap. Yeah, they, they had, I think, three he, starters out on the yeah, O-line alone. No, one. It, I think it was one. No, no, no. Here, I'll edit this out. Uh, I took a picture. Here it is. Oh, on my bad. Okay, so they had their center, Josh Myers, tackle Thayer Munford, tackle Nicholas Petit Frere. <laughs> And they had another O line in Paris Johnson Jr. all out. Jeez. For the game today. That's like, tough. They, they all because of COVID? Um, yeah, I think it was all because of COVID. I'm pretty. I think, no, I think it was a, I think it was like a mix of injuries and COVID. That'd be a lot of people to have out for COVID because yeah. they didn't like, there wasn't huge stories coming out of Ohio State about a COVID outbreak. I feel like we would have heard about that. Um, and I, I heard it was like 23 players total that were just not able to suit up today. COVID or injury, whatever, whatever the case. So, but they still take care of business against Sparty. Um, so, yeah, that's a huge win for Ohio State. Um, hopefully, that should be a, a that's a convincing win, um, and it should looks good for the committee um, where to where they um, ultimately put Ohio State in those final rankings. And yeah, they they look good going into the Big Ten title game. So that's good news for the Buckeye Nation right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I might I think again my the fear would be that they haven't played anybody, right? So when they do play somebody it, it might not be pretty, but we'll see. 
Uh, that being said, I think one thing that kind of concerns me right now in college football, like totally unrelated from the playoff, is the Heisman race right now. Because, like, it, it seems like it, it it's going to come down to Mac Jones versus Kyle Trask. And Trask is really actually the favorite. Um, he's got better stats than Joe Burrow through the More passing nine, yardage. Um, through his first nine games of the season. Um I don't have the numbers on me right now. I just I just saw a post from like CBS Sports, and they were comparing the numbers. He had better numbers across the board, uh, more touchdowns, pass yards, less interceptions. Um, so he's 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 taking care of business. He's putting up the numbers. Like Florida, just you know, they make sure that Kyle Trask is, does his Trask thing, and then they you know they get him out of there, and then they just go into cruise control. They don't care what the score is, you know. <laughs> but um, that being said, I think Kyle Trask, like even if he loses, let's say. To Bama in a close one, like I have a weird feeling that Mac Jones is the most deserving of the Heisman. I feel like Devonte Smith really is more deserving. Like what he is doing, in my opinion, is more impressive because he's getting wide open on these Mac Jones throws. Like you watch these Bama games, he had what Devonte Smith had what two big play touchdowns or maybe three or all three. No, I think two, and then he had the one-handed grab. Yeah, the the and, one catch in the back of the end zone is insane. Um, it's like Devontae Smith has been doing this um, almost every week and like in putting up big numbers doing it too. And um, Najee Harris as well. Like he, he's been like in the games where Mac Jones numbers were down, it was because of Najee Harris was just doing it all, you know, just finishing the job, getting taking care of business in the red zone. So Najee Harris is another name that I really like in the Heisman race. If Bama goes on and wins the SEC champion, the SEC championship game, um, but yeah, Devontae Smith, I just I kind of feel like this might be the year that a wide receiver is the best chance to win the Heisman. I feel like Kyle Pitts too, but unfortunately like he just doesn't have the numbers that these other guys do. Like he and he missed two games. Um but Kyle Pitts like this that's the greatest mismatch in college football right there. It's not even Devontae Smith. I think it's Kyle Pitts. And I don't think there'd be too many people that would argue with me about that. And like he to me like that seems like he feels like the most valuable player in college football and don't you think that would warrant like you know the Heisman but a lot of it has to do with stats it's not just the winning and you know Kyle Pitts missed two games so his stats aren't quite there well it's interesting because I think right now you have to give it to Trask I just think the numbers he's putting up I mean if we're if we're judging it on the level of how we judged it last year then okay you have to say Trask but I also so badly want to see it go to a guy like Devontae Smith because we haven't seen it go to a wide receiver in God knows how long. And he's just – what he's doing is impressive. I mean, it really is unbelievable that one receiver is doing that much, especially when we went into the season praising so many other guys in that receiving core. Um, And then, yeah, obviously guys like Kyle Pitts don't have the numbers, but, I mean – Catches like that that he made today in the Tennessee game make you go like, wow, maybe that guy should be up there, you know, at least getting some votes. But it is amazing how many SEC players are just involved with this. It, it does make me a little bit worried for the situation, you know, in, that's probably going to play out in the playoff where the SEC teams are probably going to dominate. Um, but at the same time, I mean, who knows? You know, may, they might give it. I don't. I don't think they can give it to Trevor Lawrence, obviously, because he missed two games. So I think in the end, it's really down to probably Trask, and it will then probably be Mac Jones. I think we can both agree that it won't. Devonte Smith will probably get snubbed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
that's just the Heisman. It's going to be it, like it, the, the tradition is quarterbacks. Um, we haven't even seen a skill position player win in like over what well, it's been like two decades, right? Well, if so, you count running backs, but oh yeah, running oh, no running backs yeah running backs. It's been who was the last one? Mark Ingram? No, Derrick Henry. No, Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, another Bama running back. So, uh, but yeah, Najee Harris. I think he's a complete back. Ed. We're we're both big Najee fans. If you didn't know, and um, yeah, the SEC championship that's going to be so interesting because I don't know if Florida like I think Bama is a way more complete team, and so and I think I feel like with Florida they're just too one dimensional. It's so Kyle Trask dependent, and he has to get the ball out quick to Tony, or you know he's looking for pits, and they they also still have Trayvon Grimes. He's a, he's a really good receiver as well, but like they're just so pass heavy. They haven't been able to really establish a run game, at least consistent, uh, consistently throughout the season. And Bama's able to win a variety of ways. They won games where they, they won a game where Mac Jones didn't even throw a single touchdown pass. <laughs> like, like that's just Bama, Bama can win in a variety of ways. They can win for, with just their defense if they really wanted to. I'm sure. Like Mac Jones could be totally off, and I'm sure they would be just fine. Um, and yeah, I don't see that balance with Florida, and I feel like the offense is too one-dimensional. So the SEC. You also have champion, to worry about that defense too. Um, yeah, you got to worry. Yeah, you got to worry about the defense. And Kyle Trask, I just feel like he's going to have a an incredible burden on him, and he's just going to have to overcome all of Florida's problems. Like just if things aren't going well, and it, it feels like the margin of error for Florida is so little that it almost feels like Kyle Trask is going to have to be like Joe Burrow um, <laughs> like in the last couple, like two, three games of the season for LSU. Like he's going to have to be absolutely perfect if they want to beat Bama. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game to say the least. I think Florida will give it their all, but I don't know. Bama's looking pretty nasty right now, and it doesn't help that Florida's defense is pretty inconsistent. And again, today they did not play well in the first quarter against Tennessee. And I think if they get off to a slow start against a team like Alabama, they're going to be in a world of trouble. I mean, in many ways, you kind of wish the SEC would just, you'd be like, okay, Texas A&M is probably the one that should get a shot at Bama, right? Honestly, honestly, I kind of disagree. I kind of feel like if you could just go out the eye test right now. You'd probably say Florida, actually, yeah. I would actually give Florida the edge. But I like I don't feel very comfortable giving A and M a playoff spot, um, and Florida like Florida's not getting a playoff spot if they don't beat Bama, and I, rightfully so because they're gonna have two losses, and A um, and M beat them, so that's kind of like it'd just be kind of weird to give Florida an edge over A and M in that case. But I don't really feel comfortable giving A and M a spot um, just because they they haven't looked like tremendous, like they haven't been playing an exciting brand of football like the last two weeks, and uh, that's not. It, that's not going to look good with the committee. Yeah, I mean, they got a good performance today out of Isaiah Spiller. He had over you know 100 yards rushing, but Kellen Mond was a little bit off, I would say. I mean, he did have two touchdowns throwing the ball, but you know he didn't throw for 200 yards. And you got to wonder, you know, are those inconsistencies that we you know we talked about Kellen Mond having issues with you know last year and the year before? Are they coming back to haunt him a little bit? And again is this team doing enough to get into the playoff? You know, I, I think when it comes down to the, you know, the final four teams, 
maybe members of the committee look at a Cincinnati that's undefeated and put them over a Texas A&M simply because of some of these, you know, mediocre wins. I mean, you can even look at Florida like that, obviously, with the, you know, the, the 11 point win over Tennessee. So I think there's a lot to be concerned about there, but obviously, you know, we'll find out when they play each other in the SEC championship game. And, you know, you would have to think that if Alabama wins, let's say since he loses that there's a chance Texas A.M. gets in, which would be pretty funny, but it shows you where the Jimbo Fisher era is at already in its short uh, tenure. Yeah. A&M. Yeah. First year where they really feel, they really look like somewhat of a contender. Um, and Kellen Mond, I didn't think Kellen Mond was going to really pop this year. I mean, and not that he necessarily has, but he had a great game against Florida. That was huge for them. And that's what catapulted them in the rankings. And that's what's kept them there so far. And now they're just really dependent on Notre Dame. I mean, or they need Notre Dame to beat Clemson to really have a true chance at the playoff. They um, they got to hope Cincinnati doesn't really look great down the stretch. And after that, I don't think they have much competition. So it, but they just really need those two things to happen um, to get in the playoff. But I don't even I don't even know if I feel that great about Cincinnati getting in because they kind of struggled. With, with UCF and so a lot's going to hinge on this game against Tulsa and then whoever they play in the American championship game. So yeah, Cincinnati, interesting. I like Desmond Ritter. I really like Desmond Ritter. Nobody's really talking about him. So anyways, yeah, Desmond Ritter, just a guy that is not getting a ton of attention, the attention he deserves probably. But as far as Cincinnati goes, I don't know if I buy them as a legitimate playoff team and I don't feel that great right now, giving them the number four spot. I think, again, it really depends on how everything plays out in the championship games at this point. You know, unless there's some really big upset next week, that's what we're looking forward to. Because that's what's going to tell us some sort of, you know, un- we're going to have some sort of understanding of who's going to be in and who's not. But I think, again, like we've said, I mean, this week, the week before, and hopefully next week too, is really making it difficult for the committee. Um and we saw with BYU that that obviously made it a little bit easier, but now they're being replaced by a Coastal Carolina team. So it doesn't seem to get any better for them, which is kind of what they deserve. <laughs> Maybe it gets a little bit easier. But there was a few other good games on today. I mean, Oklahoma had an okay game against Baylor, but you know who really cares about that? Also, any Oklahoma fans saying there's a chance for us to make the playoff, you need to simmer down. Two losses, like, I'm sorry, you're playing good football right now, but you can't lose two games and make the playoff with yep. the amount of competition, especially this year. So, um, look, it, it, was a, it was a good building block. Um, year two with Spencer Rattler is where it's going to be your time to shine, and you got to take advantage of that. But the 2020, no, the, the season's pretty much done. You're going to go to a nice bowl game, but that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, that's kind of – well, it's it's I, I kind of am glad it's happening because Oklahoma always just went to the you know playoff and just got blown out by someone. So hey, interesting. Then, hey, hey, interesting tidbit here. Okay, listen, listen to this. My so Miami is ranked tenth right now. They just took care of business against Duke, forty-eight nothing. They only have one loss. That was to Clemson, and they finish out with North Carolina at home. That's going to be tough, but it's a, it's a winnable game. I mean, North then, Carolina just beat up on Western Carolina. I mean, I know that's not really a call. With, you know, competition. So um, they definitely then, are vulnerable. Yeah. And then Miami uh, finishes with Georgia Tech at home. 
um, the week after that. So if Miami dominates like the last two weeks after they just destroyed Duke, could, could they like catapult in the ranking somehow, come out of nowhere and steal the fourth spot? Is that possible at all with Texas A&M sitting there? Oh, I mean, maybe you would have to think that Clemson would have to lose twice in that situation, obviously. Um, yeah, Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's probably got to lose. Well, yeah, Clemson would have to lose. You're right. Clemson would have to have two losses. But you still have Cincinnati, too. And, like, Cincinnati goes undefeated. You have to, and then you have I think you've got to take the undefeated team. Um, even if, like, but I feel like Cincinnati still has to be convincing, you know, because it's group of five, and they've had some close games. You know, the UCF game made you feel a little weird about Cincinnati. You didn't exactly feel amazing after that game. Um, and then you still have Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, is, <laughs> they're sitting there, too. They're like, hey, we should be – yeah, exactly. I mean, they they're like, why, why are they any better than us? <laughs> they just beat a Heisman contender. And yeah, and I think they're going to be looking for some respect. And it feels a lot like Coastal Carolina. It's going, they're going to be the next UCF where they get absolutely screwed. Head coach leaves for a way better job. And they say they're <laughs> national champions. They're the national champions. And then they fall off drastically. And well, yeah, because like some team it. that's mediocre next year destroys them. I mean, it's kind of like Michigan in the Big Ten, or not Michigan, sorry, uh, Minnesota in the Big, Big Ten this year. Oh, man, Minnesota. Yeah, that's a sad story. Yeah, Rashad Bateman's out now, too. Um, yeah. No, that, that, that's the new precedent is guys are now – Your team sucks. I'm going to dip. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to do enough good things on film to where, I, where, to where I'm comfortable with, and I'm going to make sure I get my production or a reasonable amount, and then I'm going to dip because I have nothing left to play for. And I think that it kind of makes sense. Like the risk does outweigh the reward in that circumstance. Uh, like only the contenders, their their best guys are staying in the, like the season right now. Because I don't think I've seen a single contender have a guy opt out. Like the only guy I've seen is out is Jalen Waddle, but that's because of injury. Like I don't think anybody else is sitting out like on Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, um, or Notre Dame and any of these other teams in the conversation. So, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting, like, going forward. you just that, That's the new precedent probably and kind of unfortunate. But, like, again, if you're, if you're like, you know, LSU, you have, you have talent, you have some great pieces, you know, around your team, but then you have some, some holes and, like, things don't go your way. Like, it's kind of like what do you expect? The last team we haven't even talked about, okay? This is, like, this could still make it really bad <laughs> for the committee. Undefeated USC. <laughs> mm, I don't know, but we come on. Like we were talking about Washington too, and then they got you know beat by Stanford today, which was hilarious. Okay, okay you're and telling... the Pac-12 so weak. I mean, Oregon lost to Berkeley tonight, and I actually think there was a Pac-12 game st- uh, still going on when we started, but now it's over. Um, um but yeah, I, I really, I, I just don't see it. I mean, especially when you have teams like. Cincy, who you can argue are playing a lot more games, and honestly, I would say the American is just as competitive as the Pac-12 now. So, would you do you think the committee is just gonna completely disregard the Pac-12 and just say um, you, you kind of really messed with the season and you, you only allowed for six games with your teams? So we're 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 just not gonna let you in the playoff. Like we don't care. Well, no, because BYU. I mean, not BYU. Sorry, the big the Big Ten is you know allowing their teams to play five ga- or five games and still be qualified for the championship game. Well, well the Big 10 has Ohio State. And yes. That's that's 
a that's a team with a ton of NFL talent. They might they might not being they they might not be playing the best team ball right now, but there's a lot of NFL talent on that team. Like yeah, you and I, I mean, both know that. Yeah, but I'm just saying I don't know if they'll treat USC the same way because I think the Pac-12 is a little bit weaker. I think the Pac-12 is you know especially USC in particular. You know, they would have to be wiping out every single team they play by a lot, and we saw them not even be able to do that against Arizona State. So I don't think we'll even have to worry about them going undefeated, but not to mention, it could happen. Not to mention you have the worst commissioner of the Power Fives and Larry Scott. He, it, it seems like he's not very committed no. to, 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 <laughs> to winning with, with the football program, and he doesn't really care about their success. And then Clay Helton, who's like the Jim Garrett, I mean Jason Garrett of – college football <laughs> i mean it's, it'd be pretty easy to leave them out <laughs> yeah i mean i think it may, they might just forget you know <laughs> like hoops <laughs> oh damn we forgot about the pac-12 they, they serves just, them right though they just forget to move them up in the rankings so they just finish yeah. at 20 <laughs> despite being undefeated god oregon losing to berkeley that's just awful berkeley was an zero and three team yeah oh that that's a tough one to swallow for Oregon. Um, t- TND was like all about it. He was like, Oregon fans, I tried to tell you your team's overrated. And then they had a couple of key opt outs, which kind of hurt. You have an unproven quarterback. You don't exactly have a have this great mastermind head coach, um, great recruiter, but he's a little bit unproven with football philosophy and coaching adjustments. And um, you get what you get. So even in a week Pac-12. Oregon still couldn't do it. Like they lost Civil War. They lost. They yeah, lost that was State. really funny. That that is a low. That's a new low with Oregon football. Yeah. It, also, speaking of Oregon football, remember when people thought Tyler Show was going to be like a low key dark horse Heisman candidate? I mean, you were kind of hopping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I know. I was a Washington lot of State I'm, game. Yeah, I mean, he had he had good tape, but God, it all <laughs> fell apart for him. Oh man. He was like Marshall today, you know, just zilch, <laughs> which is another game where you're just like, uh, okay, we know they're not legit. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so that is, that's the Pac-12 2020 for you. Not a whole lot to be looking at there. Arizona no. State, we're not even talking about that. How, how lame is that? Like, we know. That's I think they've only played like one or two games. Um, yeah, because of COVID cancellations. Rona. But that was a team that a lot of people, I think, had in the back of their mind as a dark horse. And just with the COVID year, nothing's certain. And the, they they drop the opener and then they have a couple cancellations. Like, that's the worst way to start your season. And then knowing, like, you only get, what, six at the max opportunities to go out there and prove your worth. And then you, get, you already got a couple of those games canceled. Um, it seems like you're out of the Pac-12 championship because you lost to USC already. They play in the same division. So, I mean, yeah, that's a wrap for Arizona State football. You play one game and your season's over, <laughs> essentially. And that's the, that's the beauty and, and horror of college football, right, is that every game matters. You know, it's not like the NFL where you can, you know, somehow sneak your way into the playoffs as an 8-8 eight and eight team and then, you know, win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, I guess if you expand the playoffs, you offer that, you know, because we have Cinderella stories in basketball. But who knows if we really want that. I mean, you yeah, know, honestly – Oh, go ahead, sir. How many Coastal Carolinas are really going to succeed in the playoff? Like, how many of these teams I mean, are I really going to find success? I guess we success? can't <laughs> definitively say until we try it, right? And we haven't tried it yet. So, 
again, if this is the if this is the year to do it, I mean, if there's a year to do it, it's this year, hundred percent. Yeah, people are trying to use like this life philosophy where they're like, can't knock it till you try it. And it's like, dude, have you have you seen recruiting? Have you seen the the difference in these level of head coaches? Like, this is like this is no this isn't a joking matter. <laughs> this is we're talking about playoff spots here. Well, I still think it'd be worth a try. Especially if they, if it if it you know the cards line up correctly, but who knows if that will happen? Yeah, I mean Cincinnati, yeah, like you you can still make the argument because the American that's the most respected group of five conference. You have the head coach Luke Fickle, who seems like he runs a tight knit program, and then you have mm-hmm. it seems like they have quarterback right with Desmond Ritter. Like if you one have, of the best rushing quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, like he he I think he he's a legitimate NFL draft prospect. Ooh. So I mean. Of course, you can argue, I guess, for Cincinnati, but you, you just don't want don't want to play with their feelings because this is where we are talking about playoff spots. This isn't a joke. <laughs> so- All right, I think that that pretty much does it. Uh, any any more last minute late night thoughts? Uh well, we had Indiana play Wisconsin. That was a really boring game. Uh, San Diego guy Jack Tuttle played quarterback though, Indiana. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They they talked a lot about that. Chris Olave had a nice catch today. That was that was good to see. Did you see the catch Sean Wade had? No, that I didn't was actually. absurd. Also the block Justin Fields had. That was funny. Because he ran, he was behind the line of scrimmage when that guy broke free, uh, Trey Sermon, and he sprinted up to him to block that guy. So that was pretty impressive. But... Yeah, bl- blocking the back much. Please, like <laughs> yeah. everybody's like, oh my god, four, four, three, Justin Fields. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't miss. I mean, there was a black in the bat. Yeah, that's just, true. Just saying. We do have some Sunday football tomorrow. Interestingly enough, we got Sunday football. That's going to be interesting. Some there's definitely some good games. Um, can't think of any good ones off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Rams Cardinals. That's going to be interesting. Fighting for the NFC West. And they're, both teams are going to be trailing the Seahawks. So, um, I, I mean, I didn't take a I didn't take a serious look at the schedule. I mean, I it didn't look like there was a lot of great games on. I think Buccaneers. Uh, sorry, not Buccaneers. Uh, Browns Titans was one game I was going to look at because I mean I think Colin Cowherd said it on the show today where he's like he thinks that if the Browns lose that they'll move on from Baker and I was like whoa that's a take and. Honestly, I don't think that will happen because the Titans' defense is bad and it will make Baker look good. But yeah, I don't know. Is it? Is, the, is it? Do you think it's going to be a good Sunday tomorrow? Like, is it? Also, is it a Shiano or a handsome day for me? Should I finally try Shiano? <laughs> yeah, we we need to get people's opinion on what the better red zone is. I mean, the fact that Scott Hansen only took one bathroom break during the entire time he's done red zone is mad impressive. Like that. Okay. I don't think okay. So two hundred episodes, two hundred episodes, okay, of seven hours, hours of commercial free football. Commercial free football. You're telling me one bathroom break. I mean, I like my thing is like, what if you person. just have like a a camp out, you know, where it's like it's just one of those, and like you're just there for like 10, 15 minutes. He he's just got some other resources that allow him not to move. Maybe he just wears studio. a diaper or something. Yeah, maybe he's got like some sort of diaper, like chair. The, you know, there's something going on. There's no way, like, like, okay. There's the definition of, of a bathroom break, but he's definitely being accommodated in other ways. 
<laughs> so that there is no bathroom breaks. What if he's so, just yeah. like soiling himself and he's just continuing? Like, <laughs> there's like a sense of respect of that. Like, <laughs> the man is willing to soil himself to give you football, <laughs> to give you seven hours of commercial free football. Like, oh, also God. the quad box. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot take the quadruple box. It is, it is so bad. The witching you, hour. <laughs> if, like, if you do not have a 75 inch TV, a quadruple box doesn't. Yeah, work it's on your so screen. funny when you pull it up on a on a on a stream on off uh, Reddit or something like that. It just doesn't really work well. It's like it's like watching like three different games on like four, three different or sorry four different games on four different iPhones. Yeah, like you would think four games is like the dream at the same time, but no, that it's it doesn't work unless you have a seventy-five inch flat screen TV. It, it just it just doesn't. But yeah, Shiano. I'm taking Shiano. No, Ceciliano. Ceciliano for the win. Um, he, I think he does a good job. And he, and he has a lot of dad jokes that he likes to mix in. Um, he talks a lot less. Dad jokes. He, he talks a lot less, which I think is a little underrated. Um, Scott Hansen loves to just talk over the games like he's commenting on the games. I don't understand it. Like, I just I just don't get it. Like, yeah, but there's so many there's so many NFL announcers that are just bad. I mean, no, there, no, there absolutely is. But again... I'm trying to listen to the on-field, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. on-field sounds, trying to get the atmosphere, um, even though there's no fans in the stands. So that my complete argument is just out the window right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. I mean, I mean hey, I, we can make it work, I guess. I just don't think Scott Anson contributes that much to the red zone experience with his commentary. Um, I don't. So a lot of people probably disagree with that statement, but that's just how I feel. That's why I like Siciliano even though that dude's got some serious ears. <laughs> I've never really, like, even seen what he looks like, to be honest with you. I've never actually watched him. I guess tomorrow is my first. Like, tomorrow's the time to do it, I guess. Um, yeah. Hey, don't knock it until you try it, right? Exactly. If, that, if that's what we're talking about with the playoff, I mean, we can apply yeah, it to anything. that's true. So, might, as well, might as well open it so a team like Coastal Carolina can get in. All right. I think that is going to do it. Um, thanks for tuning in late night college football talk maybe that's this is our new weekly thing weekly um, thing late night Saturdays uh, it, it, there was just a lot happening today and you know Bama just absolutely destroying LSU was payback that was how we ended the day and um, there's a lot to talk about with the Heisman race all oh, also Virginia Tech played Clemson for a quarter that was the one last thing I thought I forgot to bring up <laughs> Oh, yeah. Was I was, like, so excited for, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> it, it was interesting for, you know, a second. And and then Clemson, re- like, remembered their Clemson. And they did well, you saw the Hail Mary Clemson play, right? It, actually, they played him for two quarters. And they the Hail Mary play where it, it was the same thing that happened in the BYU Coastal game where it was just, like, so close to scoring, but he literally caught it and then was out of bounds at the one. And that could have yeah, yeah. changed the entire momentum of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It's Orange Bridge's time for Clemson. They're going to take care of business. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that being said, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, thanks for tuning in.